Welcome to the second episode of our podcast that we have not yet named. Yeah, we're so, taking naming suggestions. Yes. And people aren't really that great at naming suggestions, I don't think. We're not even great at no. it. <laughs> Since we don't have one. So, um, so I'm Gretchen. And I'm Kelly. And we are here to talk today about what it's like to be, kind of about what it's like to be a professional woman in the workplace. So I am, I have a master's degree and I'm working on a second master's degree, but kind of just for fun, just because like, I don't know that I'll do anything with an MBA, but I figured I should do it since I work at a university and I get the option to have it. And I am in a position where I am not a director and I really like not being a director. I like having the flexibility to do stuff with my kids. I like being able to help people and not be tied up in meetings and bigger policy discussions. Um, my strength is helping people and working one-on-one with them. And, you know, that's where I like to be involved. And so part of my struggle with my professional life is feeling like maybe I should be striving to do more and make more and do more stuff or, you know, you know, I've been at the same place for almost 11 years and I'm really happy there and I could probably make more money if I left, but I don't want to leave this town and I really like the people I work with. So, but also feeling like maybe am I getting too stagnant by doing the same thing, but I really like it. So I don't know. That, that's where my professional dilemma is. So Kelly, what's your professional mm. dilemma? So, um, one of the points that Gretchen has raised to my attention, and she's not the first person, this actually is been an interesting debate for quite a while ever since I earned my PhD in 2013 so I earned my PhD in 2013 and there's a decision to be made in academia if you're going to refer to yourself or have students refer to you as Dr. Strout which would be honestly um, there are a lot of people that I've known along the way in academia who are firm they always go by doctor. They have the students call them doctor. They're very comfortable with it. And then others have different philosophical beliefs about going by that term. And I have been in the camp of just going by my first name. It actually makes me uncomfortable physically even to say it, Dr. Strout. I've, I don't even know if I've ever publicly referred to myself that way. Really? Yeah. I can't think of a time where I have. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm presenting somewhere or if we're doing, you know, a ceremony, I will get presented by somebody else that way. But I, I don't feel something about it doesn't feel natural to just walk up and say, hi, I'm Dr. Strout. Interesting. I, it's a it's a weird phenomenon. And part of me thinks so some people believe that you should go by that because it commands respect and professionalism, which I can see. But then my philosophy is. You shouldn't have to do that by giving yourself a title and forcing people to call you by that title. How else how else would they know where you fall on the on the spectrum at, <laughs> on the height? And so part of this conversation came because I overheard Kelly say, "Oh, I work in the nursing department." And I felt like that was really way too generic for what it is that she does yeah. in her position. But I, it was a, I'm glad you raised my attention to that because I think that I try to minimalize. I don't want to be one of those people that's um, 
like braggy, I guess, is a right cocky. Right. So I think I really try to minimize. The other thing too is I was raised, you know, my my mom raised me basically she was a single mom until we met my dad and I wasn't raised in that I don't know I almost feel like I'm you know the book that we read for book club Hillbillyology yeah oh you didn't read it I've read enough about it oh there's an awesome story in the book and I can totally relate to it so he was at a store and he had his Yale Harvard uh, Yale sweatshirt on and someone in the store from the hillbillies said oh did you go to Yale but he paused because he worried that if he said, yes, I went to Yale, he was kind of abandoning his right. group. Right. Because, you know, you can buy a Yale shirt and not go to Yale. So he <laughs> so he decided to, to lie. And he goes, no, I didn't go to Yale. I just bought the shirt. But he did. Right. And I totally get that. I totally get that. It's like, yeah, I have a, I, I, I have a PhD and I'm a doctor. and But at the same time... I don't want it to make me a different person. Right. But doesn't it inherently, I mean, it doesn't make you a different person in your soul, but inherently (laughs) it gives you a different, it does give a different status. So one of the things, actually, I have to tell people not to call me doctor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really do because I, I, well, because I teach a first year seminar. And so my students come in as brand new, fresh out of high school students. And in the first semester, I have them for a one credit course and they assume that anybody who's at a university has a PhD and will be like, oh, Dr. Schaefer. And, and, and so I have to try to explain to them the intricacies of titles in academia. And I'm technically an instructor because I only have one master's degree and that they have some faculty who are have PhDs and have doctorates and all that. And so one of the first things I teach them is what do I call my professor. What do I call my instructor? So I say for me, don't call me professor because I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm an instructor. You can just call me Miss Schaefer. I'm comfortable with you calling me Gretchen, so call me that. But what I tell them to do is always go formal in the first contact and then the other person will tell you what to say. So if, if you had one of my students... I teach them to come up and say, oh, hi, Dr. Strud. I'm sorry I missed class. I just didn't want to come. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and then you might say, oh, please, just please call me Kelly. Yeah. But they know that you're a doctor and it forces them to like sort of understand that there is like a little bit of a hierarchy there. Yeah. Um, and, and like in my own teaching, like and that's not my teaching style is to lord over students, but just to teach them that kind of it's basically etiquette is what I'm trying to yeah, teach them. Absolutely. You know, and so I'm like, so don't like email your faculty and be like, bro, what's up? Yeah. Just be like, oh, <laughs> Dr. Smith, I won't be able to attend blah, blah. And whatever they respond is usually a good cue as what you could say in the next conversation. So if they respond, Dr. Smith, stick with that. If they respond, Joe then maybe you can write Joe or Mr. You know, Mr. Smith. But I have to teach him about that. So I actually do get called doctor all the time. I'm like, no, no. People who get to be called doctor have done a lot more than I have and they have earned that and you better respect it. I, I don't like, um, I have seen lawyers who try to refer to themselves as doctor because they have a JD. Yeah. That one is, is my, my lawyer friends tell me that that one is like a super definite no-no. It's a faux pas. Yeah. Yeah. Do not say that. So, huh? So, I so I do teach etiquette too. Believe it or not, at, to the seniors, <laughs> because they won't they at, still at the senior level they won't be mindful of it. 
and they I think then they get paranoid that I'm I want to be called Dr. Stro and I, I'll tell them even in my etiquette presentation you can call me Kelly but you always should start formal basically exactly the yeah. same thing you're saying because there is this you know mixed group out there where some want to be called doctor and they always want to be referred to that way whereas others don't and I do think that kind of adds to confu- student confusion if I ever got my PhD I'd make my kids call me doctor I think. <laughs> I'd be like do you know what I had to do <laughs> not mom anymore it's doctor Schaefer doctor Schaefer thank you very much <laughs> so what do you what do you think when you were a student when professors did you have you must have had a mix of professors go both ways I definitely had a mix of prof- and plus I was education and so mm-hmm. education in general tend I find yeah. in my experience tends to be a little bit more casual a little bit more um, you know really wanting to be empathetic and friendly and congenial and it's not as formal as like you know when you see like law school movies and stuff and they're doing the Socratic method and everyone's right. yelling and panicking and freaking yeah. you know education tends to be a lot more like oh how are you doing Gretchen oh things are great you yeah. know it's a little bit more touchy-feely in that sense. So as so as a student at UMaine, um, it's been more, it, I think it was probably more casual than it would be in other departments because of education. And as a student now, because now I'm an MBA student, and it's funny because I'm taking classes from faculty that I've worked with yeah. for um, over a decade, and I'm taking one right now in management communication. And so it's a and it's a faculty member I've known this whole time and she's wonderful and I like her a lot. I actually helped design the class and I kept working on designing the class and, and I'd say, you know, you realize I'm just making this harder for me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I should try to make this easier. But I just had to email her about something about the class and so it was funny because I went into my student account and was very formal in this management communication <laughs> style that she had taught us about. But it was still like ridiculous because we are very casual Your colleagues. Yeah, it's a colleague that I'm very like. I've we've gone out to lunch together, and you know, I would consider her a friend even. But to have this weird level of okay, so I designed the course, but this part is I I think this part is messed up, and I can't edit it for you because I'm in the course. And, you know, let me walk. Oh, you're it. the best quality control, though. Really, I know. I have and I'm designing my next course too with that faculty member now, and saying the same thing like. You know, what you have now here would be really easy, but that's not what we're looking for. I want to, you know, so I'm making this harder for me. But, um, so yeah, so it is, so now that I'm taking graduate courses with colleagues, it's another level of informality Mm. that even, that I probably wouldn't, that I wouldn't even have if I was just a traditional, a traditional, non-traditional MBA student. Right. That's a whole other layer of complexity. Yeah. So, and so how old are you? Oh, I'll be 34 next month. So you had your PhD before you were 30. Yes. And so, and this is audio, but you look very young. Yes, I do. And because you're very petite and very cheerful and (laughs) all that. So how do you combat, what, are there things that you do consciously to try to not, to try to make sure that you read as the instructor and not the student? Mm -hmm. So I'm really mindful of this. In fact, age is my most sensitive topic because I've, did progress I think the average age of a nurse is 48 and so even in before the PhD I was working in fields where I would be the youngest person and even when I started at the hospital right out of nursing school 21 years old patients would be very nervous when I would you know just present myself because I looked so young 
Yeah. Oh, you couldn't be a nurse. You're so young. So this has been something I've been very sensitive to. So I always make sure I dress very professionally. I have a lot of suit jackets or blazers. I dress almost mm. exclusively at Talbots. <laughs> I have the old people going and I need yes. to go there. I am like a diehard Talbots shopper. I'm not going to lie. She's um, not lying. I'm not either. I almost have, I probably have my whole closet Talbots. I would do Ann Taylor too, but they're not around here. Yes. The other approach I take is naturally, I'm very laid back and giggly and <laughs> some would say even ditzy. In fact, my husband, when we first started dating, we were 16 years old and he, we've probably been dating maybe three or four weeks and he said that he really liked me because I was like his mom. And I was, and I was, first of all, that's a little odd, but then he said, you're, you're an airhead, just like my mom. And I was so offended, but obviously, cause then you went and said, well, I'm an airhead. Well, excuse me. Let's yeah. see you. So that was at 16. So, yes. um, so it only took you like 13 years to prove him wrong. Exactly. I'm sorry. Yeah. You have a master's Pre- degree. Precisely. Pre- yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I, so I think if you just talk to me on the street about not we don't get into anything intellectual at all you probably you really would think i was an airhead because i got the curly hair the spunky personality and so in class with the students particularly and and at work i feel like i have to rein that in quite a bit because it accentuates my i think my personality also accentuates how young i am mm-hmm. so Which i will be an asset i mean the thing is is that while you're dealing with age the benefit is that you're only going to get older. So, right. you we know, eventually you're, you're going to age into it and like they might find the balance and you're going to be like, oh, she's that, you know, that perky 60-year-old who's <laughs> so great, but is clearly definitely obviously older and has a lot of experience and I should listen to her versus, you yeah. know, are you the student? Are you the teacher? Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm really strict in the classroom and uh, my brother's actually dating a um, former student of mine. <laughs> and so I get the buzz on the street and the students a lot of students will think I'm scary because I really have I have James calls it work personality so work personality and then everyday personality but even he doesn't like work personality (laughs) he'll he'll back away from me when I'm in like focused around the house or something he was like oh she turned on work personality I don't like work personality I would love to be a fly on the wall in your class because I'd just be like oh yeah interesting so I do have I do try to keep it more I have really strict expectations. I have, um, I'm stern. I like to say I'm friendly, but firm. Yeah. So those are some ways, but you know, often, honestly with the colleagues, sometimes it can be even more difficult because I, you know, I, I did earn my PhD rather rapidly in comparison to other nurses. Mm -hmm. So I'll get a lot of criticism in the area of working in clinical, you know, with my clinical experience. Because basically, because a lot of times, and I think I've seen this in my school too, in that a nurse goes out and practices and is a practicing nurse, and then when their kids are older, yes, I think I'll go back and get my master's. And now I've done that, and now I think I'll get my doctorate. Like when I think about when I think about like even nursing faculty that I know, I think that has typically been the trajectory. Yes. Whereas you are sort of an overachiever and said, "I'm going to become a nurse. I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to get a yes. master's degree. I'm going to get a PhD, yes. and done." And yes. then your tenure track faculty by the time you were twenty nine, twenty nine, yeah, or yeah. thirty, I guess. I yeah. guess I'm four years in, so yeah, yeah. But I, it's just, and it's it's frustrating because I don't walk around saying, 
well, you know, you've heard me yeah. joke about the different, you know, if you yeah. wanted certain, if you wanted an IV started, you probably, I could probably do it, but you would probably choose someone else. Right. But I've, I don't walk around touting the fact I know all these things experientially. I really just focus on research and, and well, public health. So I have a friend who is a nursing professor out West and her trajectory is even more different than yours. And I think you would appreciate it in that she got her bachelor's degree in music and then went to Yale for the master's in nursing program and loved it so much that she got her PhD from Yale in nursing. Oh. So she, and she's a researcher yeah. and you would actually, I should, I should show you some of her research because she does some really interesting things with um, researching Native American populations because she's Native American. Yeah. So she talks about uh, disparities in Native American healthcare and stuff like that. Oh, but she's like, so she's like, I'm a doctor nurse, but... Yeah. Didn't re- I don't even think she really practiced that much because she was on the research side of nursing, which people just don't understand that that's a thing that exists. It's so And it's rare. all the stuff that yeah. informs, and that's what's informing nurses who are actually practicing. Exactly. So exactly. it's important, and it's not like, oh, I'm a doctor nurse, so I give the best IVs ever. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that's, in, but because, you know, the historical evolution of nursing really is, and the typical trajectory is to work you know, quite a long time in practice. Overnight. <laughs> yeah, do all the things, you know, work your way up and then go back to school later for, you know, the regular population of nurses, the majority of nurses, they can't understand. It's not that they can't understand. It's just that it's foreign. It's a foreign concept to be 29 years old and on a research-based right. focus. Well, I think probably... and. Nurses go into it, telling me from education being very touchy-feely. Nurses go into it because it's a caring profession. Yeah, I I work with um, OT students as well as education students, and I'm like, and their big goal is like it's a helping profession, and so it's almost always women. Yeah, and both classes actually. Somebody was I was talking to one of my students, and they were saying how in another class they need to do this, and so I referred to the other student, not knowing the gender. I said, oh well, she can probably do this, and I said, actually, I shouldn't say that. And she's like, no, it's a woman. Like, of course it's a woman because it's education. Because there's, yeah. in my class now, I think I have 20, I have 22. And there are three men in my class, four men. Three of them are PE. And one is uh, traditional K-8 education. So it's such a, those caring professions get so stacked. So I think that that probably also factors into it too. Yeah. That when you are trying to present as a professional, but you're also a nurse, or you're trying to be kind and yes. all those things that drew you to nursing in the first place. But also, please remember that I am a professional. Right. And you need to listen to me. Exactly. You know, and try and sometimes working with... And I actually think it's get it's become a lot easier. And maybe because I've learned with experience how to navigate certain situations. And, and the other thing too, is that I really, I greatly respect, um, you know, nurses who have a lot of experience who are working in the field, you know, well, they can help inform your research. Absolutely. And they have the greatest ideas. I mean, and yeah. going, and I have a, such a great job now cause I can go around to all these various settings where nurses work with people that wouldn't even think that nurses are working and learn how each Institution affects another, yet no one's talking. I mean, it really plays into our bigger, greater healthcare system. But I don't feel that I'm just as disrespected um, by by those practicing nurses. And I'm not saying I'm disrespected. I just think that it's been a um, it's been a big challenge. The age, I'd say, the age, my age, has been my greatest professional challenge. Yeah, 
And I do, but you know, we focus so much on ageism with adults over 40 and we even have laws in place to protect them. But I believe I personally experienced reverse ageism in my career many times. Yeah. And I can see that because you you do read very young. Yeah. And, you know, very energetic. And even though you have two kids and a career and all that, like you still manage to be very energetic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, and I would say that in mine is that, I mean, my professional career issue or whatever you would call it is just having done the same thing and sometimes I did um, a lead the leadership program last year which was really interesting and it was interesting in that it helped me understand that there are ways that my job and skills and strengths could transfer to other careers if I wanted to do it and it kind of made me feel better about not choosing those like I'm not doing this job just because I have to or because it's the only job I can do that I could translate a lot of the things that I do into other fields as well Mm. so but when you do the same thing for 11 years you're kind of like oh well I guess this is just the mine I'm gonna be in for the rest of my life and if I am it's I mean it's fine I have good benefits I feel like I get paid well I have a great schedule Mm -hmm. and at this season in my life that is what I want Mm -hmm. um but then there's kind of part of me that's, you know, reached Cheryl Sandberg and all this. And like, right, oh, yeah. You should yes. lean in. Lean in, yeah. Lean in and tip over. And I'm kind of like, yeah. you know, I just want to kind of lean back. Yeah, And right. be like, <laughs> you know what? My bills are paid. We're doing okay. Like, we have a, like, we were talk, just talking about houses earlier. And I have a little house. It's probably too small for me. But I also have an equally little mortgage. And yeah. I don't know that I would want to take on a a much more aggressive career path to make an, a much more money to have a bigger house that then I didn't have my summers and I didn't have the right. flexibility to to be able to go to my kids' games and stuff like that. So for me, and again, that typically falls on on women, even though I earn more than my husband, I have more flexibility so I can do that. So it's a lot trickier for Dave to be able to go to games or it's you know it's easier for me to stay home with a sick kid take him to the appointment and it's not because I'm it's not because I am the mom but because I have the career that affords me to do that and then you get into that whole thing like well did I choose a career because I'm a woman but even then Mm -hmm. it's a it's kind of a technology career that it blends teaching and technology together so it's sort of a technology career but it's also still a very female dominated profession I, I get upset though when we try to say you know as women and I know this is more of a feminist movement where we say oh well you know we're almost despair speak disparagingly of choosing female based careers but at the same time there we are females and these are it's a reality that well, we then- have these competing <clears throat> responsibilities that men just don't have and I think in many ways women are doing a great job balancing work and family. I think, and I think in nursing, I don't, I don't think it, I feel like in nursing, there's more pay equity than there is when you look at teaching and other female dominated professions. And one of my biggest pet peeves is when people are like, Oh, it doesn't matter that I, I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of saying it myself. It doesn't matter. that I don't make that much money. I like Mm -hmm. what I do. Mm -hmm. But also when people try to tout like, Oh, Teachers need to have passion, and it's a mm-hmm. calling. Like, yeah, you do, but also you need to be able to pay your, pay your bills. bills. Yeah. And there was, I had a job offer from one local school district, and I was shocked at mm-hmm. the pay scale. I was, and I, 
And I probably could have walked away making about what I make now, mm-hmm. but it would have been off the scales for what they're actually paying teachers. So they're starting, you know, brand new teachers at less than $30,000. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how anyone can afford to do that. And then they don't give them a budget to get their classroom started and they don't mm-hmm. do all this, but then they wrap it all up in, but it's a, it's a passion and mm-hmm. you're so good and you love kids. Like, yeah, great. I'm loving your kids. So why can't we devote more money into teacher pay and to all that? So, yeah, we were at, um, we had our, we had an end of the year party for my, at my work, my department and we were at a restaurant and the woman who was our waitress, it came out at the end of the night that she's a teacher and she'd been teaching all day and then she was waitressing at night. Not that I'm against people having two jobs, but the teacher wage debate is a good debate. I mean... (laughs) That'd be a whole other show. (laughs) So... So, oh, and I want to say one more thing. So you said earlier in the the discussion that um, you might earn a... you You were planning to earn a MBA and you may never use it. But my argument is you always use all education. So even if you're not overtly using it, you're probably already using it. I, th- you know, I would agree actually because this management class I was talking about had a, we did a whole thing on meetings and it kind of brought to light some things I have in some meetings that I do, and I'm gonna actually try to make some changes with the meetings that I am part of because of that. Um, so I definitely, I mean, and I'm sure I'll use it, and just even making connections, and you know, it's. It's one of those things where you always use every bit of education. That's why we're in education, right? Right. We believe in it. Right, exactly. So if I can learn more, then that's awesome. So it's time for favorite things. Ooh. Okay. So my favorite thing is one of my favorite things ever, and you already know this, is Diva Curl. (laughs) And what is Diva Curl, I'm so obsessed with Diva Curl. So I spent... I'd say, let's see, 32 years of my life straightening my hair. And that I, picture of you and your son from his first birthday, yeah. I didn't think it was you. Yeah. I was hair. like, who's that with with James? <laughs> straight hair. So I, I mean, I occasionally let it go curly when I didn't have time, but mostly flat iron, straightening my hair or roll brushed, blow dry. And one summer I had a really bad haircut. My hair was so uneven. And you know, having curly hair. You yeah. can hide bad haircuts really well with curls. Yes. So I went on Amazon and just searched, you know, best rated curly hair <laughs> gel. And it was Diva Curl gel. And I fell so in love with the gel that I started researching the products. And now I'm a full, I should, they should hire me, really. They should hire me to be like <laughs> they a They should. Cause I, like I have the, so I have tried it and I have like the little trial size kit, but I end up using like. 40 different shampoos, but they're all like the silicone free and um, sulfate free and all that kind of stuff. So it's sort of natural, but I definitely need another haircut because my hair's getting too long. Do you get a diva cut? I got one last time, so I think I'm going to get another one, but it was not at your stylist. It was a different salon. Oh no, I'm going to that salon now. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah. Um, So, and my favorite thing this week is going to be the plated subscription that I tried. Yeah. So my friend has reviewed all of them, and I asked her, I said, which one would you recommend? And she said, plated. So I signed up with a free box from her. And with that free box, I got some great meals. And kind of like in our last episode, it was so nice. To The best part was that I didn't have to think about what to make beyond picking the recipes. And so I've done two weeks. This week I skipped because this is a busy week for us in general. And I am missing it so much this week that I don't have it. And so next week it's coming and it's so easy. Like, it's like, I can just be 
it's mental load is one that we should absolutely talk about. Yes. We need to do an episode on that. But it takes the mental load off. It's like, oh, tonight I'm going to have, oh, look here. It says I'm going to have um, crunchy chicken something. Yeah, and right. it has the vegetables and it has the sauce. And my daughter who loves to cook and is learning to cook, it has all the things written out. One of the things that I've done is when I now when I get the cards, I have a laminator and I <laughs> laminate them <laughs> so that not. I do so now so because the recipes even if I don't um even if I decide not to like stick with the subscription for much longer at least I have these recipes I can be like that was a good meal I just need chicken I just need panko so plated is my recommendation and there's a ton of food boxes but honestly just having it be that I don't have to think about dinner mm. and it's just available and I make it and we eat and it's good and tasty and relatively healthy um is my favorite thing this week. I've tried plated too, and I, I, it's not only convenient and nice, but it, the food's actually really good. I and it's like, not, it's, it's simple. It's not, yeah. Because I've tried another one, and it was so complicated. It seriously took me three hours. I don't have that kind of time. No, I don't have that kind of time. I can take like forty-five minutes, and like, and I. One thing I love about it is that it says do this, and then start this, and yes. then do that. So like, it even I'm, manages it for it you. It manages the time for me. So yeah. I'm like, all right, and I have an idea of when dinner's going to be ready, and it's. It's been great. So that's my favorite thing. So, all right. I love it. That's it for this episode. Bye. Bye.